0: Welcome to the Almost Perfect Podcast, a celebration of fuck-ups, failures, and falling flat on your face. This is a podcast that believes you can learn from experience, but that experience doesn't have to be your own. Ha, I'm but perfect and I'm a functional fuck-up. Let's learn from somebody else's mistakes. And today we are learning from Kinsani Moletlole. Now, Kinsani is a fashion writer and a soist whose work you've probably read on Bubblegum Club or The Throne or The Plug or a bunch of different spaces. But personally, I know her from a YouTube channel, and that's mostly what we talk about in this podcast. Kensani is incredibly knowledgeable and incredibly passionate about fashion, both local and international, but her channel actually has taught me a hell of a lot about South African fashion and a lot of the conversations around it. She's also very passionate about sustainability and fashion, and her channel teaches you a whole lot of different things, uh, from, yeah, sustainability and fashion, the stuff like, uh, we chat about it, you know, Harry Styles wearing queer-coated clothing, and uh, even you can even find out how to make outfits from the barbie cinematic universe if uh, that's your sort of thing so kinsani's got a lot of information on her channel for you and just in general also one of my favorite twitter accounts absolutely love love her bob so this was such a rad chat i really thoroughly fucking enjoyed myself i think you're gonna enjoy it too whether you're someone who knows a lot about fashion or doesn't and You're gonna, you're gonna enjoy this. You're gonna, there's levels. There's levels to this, I think. You know, there's, there's parts of it where it's like, yeah, fashion talk. And there's parts of it that will help you get into fashion and help you learn a little bit more. So I'm excited for you to hear that. And here's the thing. I don't think anyone would ever uh, accuse me of being the most fashionable guy out there. Like... I've, I've got my own style. I wouldn't, I wouldn't necessarily call myself stylish, but I've got a style. I've got I've got things that I like and uh, that are noticeable, especially the wrestling shirts, uh, the the floral stuff, the fucking beach shirts, that sort of thing. You know, I've got I've got the things I like and that stick out to the people. And there's been errors of different kinds of bobs, but as I'm saying, I was I would never consider myself to be that fashionable. But recently, I watched The Devil Wears Prada. And it did make me think, you know what, maybe you should engage with this a little bit more considerately. Maybe you should actually learn a bit more about what makes clothes good and what makes them last and how to look after them and how to actually, yeah, take stuff to the fucking dry cleaner, take stuff to the tailor, make it suit your body type. All those sorts of things are things that are probably, you know, whilst I was doing a bunch of cocaine in my 20s. Didn't really think about that much, you know, like (laughs) was a little preoccupied. But now that I'm firmly in middle age I'd say, like I'm not gonna make it past 70. That's ambitious as fuck, especially with the state of the world. So 35 is middle age to me and looks like I might reach 50. So I'm now thinking when I'm buying clothes and that's about stuff that I want to wear like as I get older, like as I mature. As I slowly fade out from fucking relevance and can just look like an old man, that maybe, yeah, I can (laughs) buy clothes that are a bit more expensive and do last longer and just have uh, different appeals to them, I guess. So, (laughs) what else has been happening? Uh, that I can touch on before we kick into this podcast oh yeah it was Sona last night I didn't watch that I um, I was at uh, O'Brien's they had a karaoke night also 32 round drafts so there's a little shout out for free to O'Brien's because they, they're doing the Lord's work out there uh, but yeah something happened at Sona did it did it not It's all fucking bullshit anyway, like I know that's not like the most high-level political analysis, but I can tell you what the state of the nation is, it's fucked, like we we all know that. And what else I got written down here, I got Twitter, apparently we're only going to be limited to 20 fucking tweets going forward, which to me is perfect, like I can't imagine wanting to send more than 20 tweets in a day these days, cause life's too fucking short people. Like just log out, like just let the fucking platform die. Personally, I just mostly use it as a space to promote this shit and occasionally take jabs at people that I fucking hate. Not exactly the healthiest thing, so yeah, the sooner the fucking better that shit dies, I'ma be happy. Uh, Probably. Like, and everyone's like, oh, but how are we gonna know about the news? Like you probably don't need to know about all the news that you know about. Let's be real, there's nothing you can fucking do about most of it. So instead, you're just spending your day going, Ah! Everything sucks! The whole world's fucked! Ah! Like, uh, old Fred Durst. (laughs) That was a reinterpretation of break stuff there. Okay, I need to let you know (laughs) that this podcast is brought to you by you, which means you can support it by going to patreon.com forward slash almost perfect and support it for as little as $1 a month. With all that out the way, here comes the Almost Perfect Podcast. With Kinsani, Mullet, Lole. So, how are you living, Kinsani? I'm good.
1: I'm good. Um, I could complain, but not gonna.
0: Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean, you're welcome to. I don't. I don't really mind. I could be a bit of a shoulder to cry on. A bit. A bit of a therapist sometimes. But
1: it's like the same thing with everyone. Like, there's no
0: power. There's no water, You know. Yeah. The the just living in South Africa in 2023 stuff. So I get it. It's like. <laughs> Everyone's going through it. Everyone's going to be complaining about it. So yeah. Why add to that chorus of voices. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, other than that, how you been? How's this uh, year kicked off for you?
1: Um, yeah, so far has been pretty good, I think, or I'm just, I'm choosing to be like, like dangerously optimistic about everything all the time now. So everything is amazing and it could only get better. <laughs>
0: I mean, I think it's a pretty good strategy to have at the moment, to be completely honest with you.
1: Yeah, how's your year going so far?
0: I'm, I'm taking the same approach, you know, to be completely honest with you. Like, some things haven't quite gone my way, uh, the way I would have quite liked. But, you know, we, we move, we live, we learn, we do all those things. And somewhere in the middle, there's lessons to be learned and some progress in life, I guess, to be taken from it.
1: Yeah, definitely. <laughs>
0: Uh, okay so i guess we can start from like where i know you from which is your youtube channel and well twitter actually i think is where i found you first but then through your twitter i found your youtube channel which you've been doing for quite a while when did you start that
1: i think and i started it like in the first year of lockdown so 2020 yeah 2020
0: sounds right yeah was was it because of lockdown you were like i've got yeah
1: yeah (laughs) Yeah, it's very like, um, I think I sat around doing like a lot of reading and stuff in that year and I was like refamiliarizing myself with like my old interests and stuff. And I think I was irritating all of my, my friends by like speaking to them incessantly about this stuff. And mm-hmm. then my aunt was like, start a podcast, please. Like we're so tired.
0: <laughs> so this stuff, what do you mean? I mean, I'm assuming you mean fashion, politics, history, culture, those sorts of things.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That whole, that whole thing.
0: That whole thing, that one <laughs> that one all-encompassing thing. Yep. <laughs> so that was kind of the inspiration, but how did it all start? You know, like what actually got you going with it?
1: Um, I mean, I had been writing freelance, I think, in that time. And there was just a lot of things I was like just thinking about. So like the, the one thing was like big Twitter discourse of the time was like the rich aunt or rich auntie aesthetic. Mm-hmm. And sort of seeing how upset people were that like all these was my age so they were like 20 years old 19 years old um and that everyone felt like they looked way too mature or they were dressing themselves up or they just you know they looked like old aunts and stuff and I was just so interested in um everyone's reaction to this um I had thought about writing it and then I was like oh no one actually reads So let me just try my luck, like
0: speaking about it. Uh, The sad, the sad fucking truth, man. Like as someone who still writes, it's like I don't know, like just what the numbers are and a lot about things. Thankfully, I don't, so that I don't even need to stress about that. Because when I used to know what the numbers were and I kept seeing them go down from year to year, that used to like impact my soul. But with your videos, they've just kept on growing. Like you seem to have grown quite a. Quite an audience, but I imagine when you started out, what was the response like? You know, was it a bit slow, or did you have like an immediate audience of people going, "Yeah, we fuck with you"?
1: Yeah, I had like the inverse. So that first video, I think that did like like ten thousand views in like the first two days.
0: Holy shit! Yeah,
1: (laughs) it was so weird. Like, I I honestly was like, I was posting that like literally. I thought like five of my friends would watch it and maybe we'd have a chat about it, and then it was like a full thing. (laughs) I don't actually think I've had anything comparable to that, which I'm kind of very thankful for. I never really wanted, like, a huge audience. I just wanted a couple of people to talk to about some stuff. But that was a really cool response to just to see, um, like, all different kinds of people, like, the kind of people I would not have expected to engage with that, actually, like, you know, share their insights or or, or tell me how, how dumb they thought I was or how interesting <laughs> they thought that was. Overall, mostly a positive response, but uh, very interesting. Um, I think once you start hitting, like you hit a certain threshold of people engaging with yourself, it gets really weird. Sure. Yeah. That's what
0: um, I've heard. Um, I wouldn't know. Like I've I've had a couple weirdos, a couple, like only a handful of like the issues that like, you know, creators like you who engage in the platform, especially like YouTube, which develop some interesting parasocial vibes. So I, I assume you're talking about stuff like that.
1: Yeah definitely like um, (laughs) I remember for a while after like I think my first three videos were out like if I would go out like I'm at a bar with my friends and there'd be people they'd (laughs) come up to me and be really nice and they'd be like oh my god I saw your thing etc and I'd be like oh my god that's amazing I'm so flattered and then like while I'm like in the middle of a beer someone wants to like engage me on some really hectic topic about like the Middle East or like you know what is modern day feminism and i'm just like i'm i'm just trying to drink i don't i don't actually want to talk about this right now
0: like watch my next video like that's where i'm going to address it
1: yeah or just yeah to just be like it would just it would just be getting cornered and i think i was just like i'm not actually like an intellectual person i just was like talking about mm-hmm. stuff and um it is nice to meet you but i don't think our first conversation can be this deep <laughs>
0: I would. Well, I mean, I, I think from your videos, you definitely come across as a bit of an intellectual. Like, I assume you spend your days reading and uh, have done so for a while.
1: Um. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Um. But <laughs> I, I do think it's like. Um. Yeah. That's like just time and place sort of thing when it comes to like when we discuss that or like. <laughs>
0: One hundred percent. No, I'm with you. Like, you're the number of times it's been like, you know, two AM and I'll say for myself, like, you know, the conversation is between two people on cocaine and uh, you know, social economics and Marxism come up. And it's just not a good conversation. It's just <laughs> not no 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 solutions are being found to any of the world's problems like at the Winston at two AM. I'll tell you that much. Yeah, you're
1: kinda of just actually killing my buzz like that's what's happening. Like- <laughs>
0: Uh, so, how's that uh, been been recognized? Because I assume like that's quite a thing now. Since your channel's growing a lot, your Twitter, everything, you know, your your numbers are good. Like you know, you're kind of like I don't know if you see it, but like a micro fashion like influencer celebrity type in my oh, internet
1: micro celebrity.
0: <laughs> yes, like you know, you. I mean, in South Africa, yes, I would say that. Like. Well, I don't know. I don't know what the different levels are. I'm just saying you're not like, you know, someone on TV, but like people on the internet know who you are.
1: Um, yeah, it's pretty cool. Like I um I mean, I don't know. It's so weird to talk about like even like a a, a really mild level of like popularity. It feels very um <laughs> like uh, <silly. laughs> But it is cool. I mean, I, I'm very thankful for it in that it's gotten me a lot of, like, really cool opportunities. And I've gotten to meet some really interesting and amazing people. So on that side, it's really great. Like, yeah, I've gotten to meet other people who, like, I've really admired. And, like, they've worked in media forever and ever. And they'll tell me, they're like, oh, I saw this thing you did. And I'll be like, that's so wild. Like,
0: <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, like, that's and really- I kind of get that from... I kind of get that from watching your videos and seeing some of the comments that are left on it, and some of the people who are leaving comments and that on your video and, you know, who you engage with, that you've become like a voice of the community that people respect, but like people who have respectable opinions respect that. So that must be quite, I don't know, just feel really gratifying.
1: Yeah, no, definitely, actually. Yeah. <laughs> yeah oh. <laughs> Sorry, it's just always funny to talk about it, but it is really cool. And it is very, like, validating, I would say. Yeah, Um, yeah, I also, because I'm, like, one of those people, I think, just because I got a lot of criticism as a kid, so I really enjoy feedback, even if it's, like, not exactly the feedback I want. But if it is from someone whom, like, I respect or just, like, someone with, like, really great insight, it's it's always really cool to, like, know that I've said something that could bring that out and someone, like, who knows stuff or, like, something.
0: Yeah. Yeah, like it's cool to be in in the conversation, as as they say. But you you're a fashion school dropout, from what I understand. From what you yeah. said in your videos. Yeah, I dropped out. To yep. House. Oh wow. Well, what made you go back? Like, rather than what like made you drop out? twice? So, uh, so what made you go back the second time?
1: Uh, the second time was my parents just being like, "Please just go to school." I don't understand what you're doing. Because I was like, you know, like to my dad, I was like, "Oh, I can like write and stuff, and I can do all these things," and he's like that doesn't sound like a real job. I'd at least be like a lot more comfortable if you like just went back to school for a little bit. And he's like, just go try it. Like you like reading, like just go back to school. And so I did for a little bit again. And my issue was never like learning or like tests. It was just the, what I feel like was just a, a lack of quality in the education I was receiving. Like, yeah, especially compared to like the things I see my, my friends overseas learning at school. And I'm just like, absolutely not. Like I, I this doesn't make sense.
0: <laughs> did you feel like you had like just access already to the sound, like type of education and material online and through other people that you don't necessarily need to continue with schooling here
1: yeah definitely i think most of the stuff i've learned was from internships or just like hands on stuff or like my own independent research more than anything not that i would discount like the value of school but i think like for me personally it wasn't it wasn't necessary. I think there are definitely people that benefits, but like for me, it was just like I was I was bored. I was really just really bored and frustrated, and it was just like, ah, doesn't really make sense sense to spend so much money here when like you know I could probably be funding that into something else.
0: I get that. I totally get that. I mean, I'm like an autodidact essentially. Like I've learned everything through doing it, through you know, like starting things through. Yeah, like being an assistant somewhere, helping out on this, you know, doing all the different things. And yeah, I, I totally get that. But it's also I understand that education can have its value depending on where you go. But how does the fashion industry like or did the fashion industry treat you early on in your career then? Because from what I understand, like you've been a fashion journalist for quite a while because you were, even went to like the Mercedes Benz Fashion Week when you were in high school. What was that like? Did people like not take you as seriously or was it still like you know people still respected your opinion because they respected your opinion
1: that's actually really funny so like I was like I was like 15 or 16 and I was at like fashion week and attending all these little events but that was like twenty twenty twelve twenty thirteen, 2012 2013 um which I think was still a really good time for like written media and like blogs and yeah um, <laughs> You know what i mean like yeah like like you were saying earlier like if you looked at the numbers then compared to now like that was a great time to just be online and like yelling into a void and also that time they were oh, yeah,
0: organic roots uh, existed
1: yeah <laughs> and like that time like tabby gavinson was a really big thing and she was like this huge phenomenon. she became like really famous and fashion at like 13 years old so i think at the time a lot of people were very willing to like take whatever like upstart young ingenue's person's like opinion pretty seriously so, in that way, it was really cool. So, I did get to like, I I mean, I, I hung out with like the people at Alf for a while, and they actually would talk to me like an actual adult speaking to an adult as opposed to like, That's um, get awesome. here, we really like shoes or something. Um, so that was like pretty good reception. And like, even a lot of people took some very interesting chances on me. Like, I got to, I think, when I was at Mercedes Benz Fashion Week, I was actually working there for publication and they like entrusted me at like 14 15 so like leave school get home get changing and then go report on the stuff and like submit stuff all night and like do their social media and things um which is oh, yeah, wow. pretty which is pretty wild in, in retrospect but very cool <laughs>
0: And these days, you you mentioned that like your day jobs in social media. You don't have to mention where or whatever, but like which se- which section of social media.
1: And yeah. Uh, so I actually work in influencer marketing. So I'm mostly working in a lot of uh, research strategy stuff. It's very. I mean, having a day job is just always going to be very crazy, <laughs> uh, to put it lightly. But it is really interesting. I, I do spend a lot of time just... Um, I, I mean, it helps like, inform everything else I'm interested in. Like, I'm always interested in what people are doing online. I'm always interested in, you know, the way technology and the internet are shaping the way we act or the way we shape technology and the internet and how that sort of intertwines together. Um, so it's It's actually pretty cool for my my interest in general because it does sort of align with, like, my need to be in other people's business. So, yeah.
0: But then how do you feel about like influencer culture, like affecting fashion culture essentially? Cause I know that's one of the issues that I think you had with the SA Fashion Week side of things. It's that, well, I don't know if it was you or people in your comments. I'm trying to remember it now, but basically just that like yeah, stuff is kind of marketed more towards influencers and then gets repackaged by fast fashion brands for, you know, people at the bottom. And like it's no longer like actual fashions no longer accessible in like some ways.
1: Yeah, definitely. I think there's like, there's like two sides to it. Like I like I always say, it's really cool that kind of anyone can like enter any sort of realm they want now because of the internet. But on the other hand, you also sort of have this sort of phenomenon where like, I don't think anyone's ever like making clothes anymore with the intention of like dressing people to live in. Like, I don't think people are really considering... Yeah. you know that like you need a t-shirt to perform these functions as well as being like really nice to look at. It's a lot of It's just like, like my friend calls it like screen style more than it is like street style. Like everything's always about what it's going to look in that like four by three ratio or when you're zooming past something in three seconds and it's like, there's like not as much like craft or like love put into anything anymore. It just needs to capture someone's attention for like five seconds while they're scrolling um, and it really doesn't go beyond that. I don't even think a lot of people even like think about their own clothes beyond like the one fit pick you get. And, like that's it. And that's like, so that's all, that's all that really matters about this one garment that you spend money or time on. Um, and that's kind of upsetting. And then with the influencer side, I think it's also like there's this pressure with like not repeating outfits because like you don't want your, your yeah. Instagram to be repetitive or this idea that like everyone has something new to wear every single day because obviously influencers you get gifted stuff all the time or you make a bunch of money to constantly be buying stuff or doing that when like that's so sort of completely opposite to how anyone actually really does live or should live but like I think we all feel that all the time
0: Well yeah because I think like what's interesting about modern fashion culture versus like fashion in the past is that style used to be about you know cultivating a look that you could repeat, you know, like, especially for men and stuff, you know, like understanding what works for you and keeping it simple, having a few pieces in your wardrobe that you can just mix in and out. And nowadays it's like, like you say, people are scared sometimes to even wear something twice, which is just insane to me. Because like, personally, if people are like dope shirts, I'm going to be like, cool, I'm going to bring this one out at least once a month, you know, like I want to get yeah. that. Compliment. <laughs> like, let's
1: see it again. <laughs>
0: exactly so yeah I do like that's the thing I found that pretty interesting and also just with brands especially you know like working more with people who aren't necessarily even that fashionable or that stylish and like because they've got big followings you know
1: definitely and that's so funny because I was talking to my friend the other day about this like how like every couple days on Twitter everyone's gonna get angry at some celebrity who's being praised as like a fashion (laughs) icon and like there's just this whole outrage parade and it's like not everyone there's just like not everyone has to be a fashion icon and because we're prioritizing like numbers and clicks more than like personal style or an interesting perspective you like put these random girls who are just like famous for like doing the Savage Remix dance on TikTok in this weird position where like everyone mm-hmm. now is because of your fame, you have to know every single thing about like what makes personal style, what makes an outfit work about like which are the, the designers to be with. When Like that's probably not your interest but these designers need the they need the eyes, they need the reach and the, the brand awareness so they're just slapping stuff on you despite the fact that like none of this aligns and then now you've got everyone just sitting here being like, oh my god I, like I hate Gigi Hadid or whatever and it's just like, ah... That's not
0: that serious. Uh, Although, I mean, a part of your whole thing is taking some of these things a bit serious. Like, the Harry Styles thing is something you've addressed, like I think, like, two years ago, you know, with the whole just him dressing in a way that makes it seem like it's not even that, like, flamboyant anyway. Like, he's slightly feminine. And, you know, it's, like, groundbreaking and this and that. But then, like, I think you addressed the whole thing about the whole topic being about who gets to do it and how they get seen because, yeah, gay people have been dressing like that way better for way longer and are ostracized because of it. And then now you get someone like Harry Styles, like, you know, just being cis hit ish who not like, you know, he like wants to present as bi sometimes. I don't know. I don't know his whole shlick. I don't know how many like dicks he sucked, but... (laughs) You know, the, like the way he presents himself is in a certain way. So that's been like a big part of the conversation at the moment. And I just find it interesting that yeah, that's something you have weighed in on before. And what I wanted to get to with bringing that up is how do you pick the topics that you land up talking about on your blog, or on your vlog? Sorry.
1: Oh, what a great question! How <laughs> do I pick topics? <laughs> so before, when I was super super active, I I mean I was really like chronically online, so I'd spend a lot of time just thinking about like whatever is in the zeitgeist at the moment so like with the rich anaesthetic, everyone had been talking about it for weeks um the harry styles thing everyone had been talking about it for weeks so it had kind of been a lot of it had just been like uh let me see what everyone's talking about and then see how this relates to the things that i do already know or the things i can easily learn about um but now i'm at a point where i'm kind of hoping to to get a little bit more um Gosh, I'm at a loss for but I kind of want to look mm-hmm. at things that like no one is talking about at the moment. So, like, currently, I'm doing a lot of um very difficult research into like South African fashion and like the 20th century. Like, what were who were the designers then? What were the trends? What were the scandals? You oh, know, what was cool. like the what are the cool subcultures then? Um, like a, a thing I even came across recently was um the like first settlers in Cape Town. Like, once it started becoming more than a port town they um the women they used to have like really hectic like style wars that they would do and they would be having like balls every week with the hope to like outdo each other and they have all these like strict rules of like etiquette and social class like you could you could have been born from the same kind of like um family as like your best friend like you guys have the same like economic status but because Maybe your father was a general, you outrank her, but then she's gonna marry someone who outranks your dad. And then now, when you guys see each other in public, like you have to greet her first, or you can't wear <laughs> a pearl necklace that's bigger than hers, you know, something like that. And I just think that's really interesting. Um, so that's like sort of oh, where man. I'm looking at.
0: I was gonna say, like the things like people could do when, you know, they had more time because they weren't on social media all the time, but that does actually just sound like being on social media to a degree. So.
1: Right? It's like everything keeps going back to the same thing. It's like literally like they just have like flex culture the same way we kind of do now.
0: (laughs) (laughs) But what's uh, like trying to find information like that? And I would imagine also like, yeah, within black culture because I imagine like there's obviously a lot of documentation, but a lot of it would have also been destroyed and also not necessarily preserved as well. So how's that hunt been going for you?
1: um it's really difficult honestly um even with this uh, story about these uh settlers in Cape Town like there are no images I just have like I've got like texts and uh like books and little paragraphs and stuff about it but like there's no images to actually see what this looked like I can't find any like paintings or that kind of thing um when it comes to trying to figure out like what black people were up to that's it's it's so crazy like it's A lot of it is, like, I think I'd have to personally go somewhere and ask someone's grandmother to, like, tell me or, like, go through someone's, like, personal family photo album. Um, And the things that I think that are sort of maintained or stored are, like, at, like, private libraries that you've got to get, like, super special access or you have to know someone who knows someone to, you know, go in there. And even when you're there, you're not even allowed to, like, take photos or, like, um, screenshots or anything. And there's the stuff, uh, obviously, actually not surprising, but, like, there's a lot of stuff that's, like, in the British Museum, but it's not like labelled properly or it's not <laughs> like you know, there's not a lot of care taken to it. Like I found a a whole trove of like like belts and jewelry that had been taken from I think like the Eastern Cape in like the early eighteen hundreds, but all of this stuff is just labeled as like for artifacts artifact or whatever. Like no like no sort of provenance or like no care taken to like who was wearing this or what was this used for or how was this made or what is it even made for. It's just like here's a bunch of stuff that we looted. <laughs>
0: Fuck, yeah, I get you there. But at least I would assume with the later 20th century, there's more magazines and stuff like that to give you, like, and also, I guess, a bit more like actual footage. But I don't know how much of that is online. Have you been able to get like source that sort of stuff?
1: Yeah, that's the thing. It's really hard to find like online things, even things that I know existed. Like, if I wanted to see like an owl magazine from 2009, I don't even think I could find that on like archive.org. Like, I'd actually have to just go find a physical copy. Um, which actually part of the reason why like I wanted to start my YouTube channel was that I felt like no one's making keeping like an online archive of all the stuff that's happening. Like I think about like how even like the the places I used to write for when I was younger, those those things are like those websites are shut down. And like I, I wasn't uh cognizant enough to like keep a copy of some of those things. So I'm just thinking about like how many even in like our modern era there are so many cool things that are happening, but like outside of having had been there, or if you can find like one random uh, Facebook post from ten years ago, like it also just sort of virtually ceases to exist. Uh which really sucks because there's so many amazing things, but it's like really hard to find an online archive of this or even build an online archive of it either.
0: Yeah, it's interesting because even with like modern like stuff, and I know this just from my own website with Durban is yours and that's so, like I chose to shut it down and it like, basically only really exists in archive.org. And thankfully, I've still got like a lot of that stuff. Like just like I've been posting a lot of photos on my Instagram and stuff from like back in the day and everything like that. But that's like recent history. And I look for other websites and other places when I'm looking because I'm like, I'm writing some stuff at the moment that deals with like the time period of like the 2000s and early 2010s. And thankfully, I've got like stacks of like blunt magazines and SL magazines. So like I know the bands and like, you know, like I I can reference stuff well through that. But like when I look online, a lot of that time period doesn't actually exist. And that's like crazy cause that's so recent. So yeah, like I, I get how difficult it must be. And I also was gonna chat to you about the the need for archiving this sort of stuff. Cause you're, you're archiving current stuff, but you also do like reference a lot of history and you do bring a lot of research to your videos. Which I think is really important.
1: Yeah, it just sucks because I think I, I also get why no one really does archive stuff. It's like it's a lot of work. Um, <laughs> yeah, it to host stuff. Yeah, and I don't even think and it's not the kind of thing I think anyone would really pay you for. It's not a service. I can't imagine someone trying to open like a a fashion library even if it was online and like getting any sort of revenue for the amount of work they would have to put in. It's not only building that but like maintaining that and keeping that up. And um, it's also kind yeah. of like thankless work. I don't imagine, like, even when I am always looking for stuff, I, it's so hard to find sources. You know, like, I'll, I'll see a really great image of, like, here is, like, Scottish culture in 2009. But, like, where did you get this image? Who are these mm-hmm. people? Like, what was this for? <laughs> and it's just, like, people just, like, reblogging this. Because, like, it's, it's a pretty picture, which is fine. But it's, like, a, a really big yeah. uh, challenge.
0: Yeah, once it's run through like the Pinterest and Tumblr machine, like it's impossible sometimes to even find out who actually did the, did the original. Yeah, which is
1: so sad because it's probably way more you could learn once you find that, like
0: you know. I mean, that's where original sources, I guess, are <laughs> like a thing you might need to look into.
1: Yeah, trying, trying. <laughs> <laughs>
0: So personally, like, I just never want to get into video when it comes to doing these sorts of things. Like I like, you know, creating just audio content because it's a lot easier with uh, the editing. So what's like, what's that process like for you? Because I know you're always introducing what this should have been done three weeks ago. This should have been done four (laughs) weeks ago. And then I also wanted to know is how much scripting goes into it? Because it seems like really well articulated.
1: Yeah, the scripting is like the longest part. Um, Honestly, I can spend anywhere from like two days to um, like three weeks writing something. Okay,
0: okay yeah, the two days isn't long, the three weeks is. <laughs>
1: yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, the biggest challenge is that obviously I can't like write, I can't speak the way I write. So after I've like written a bunch of stuff and I've, I'm also like, as time has gone, I'm very deathly afraid of not saying something in a really balanced way. You know, just just because I, I read every comment, and everyone's like, "You forgot to mention this," and "Well, you didn't include that." So, like, part of it is I'm sitting there, like, "Okay, how do I say this that's going to acknowledge like every race, gender?" <laughs> um, but once I get over that, then I'm just like thinking about like how what I've written doesn't sound natural to speak. So then I've got to go back, try to get this in like a regular speaking person's cadence, and not like a robot, just you know, like regurgitating stuff. <laughs>
0: Yeah, no, that's a struggle with YouTube. Like that a lot of people don't get down. It's like you can tell that it's written. You're always like, you know, like not so much. It's just there's no ways I could imagine someone just knowing all that stuff off the top of their head.
1: Absolutely not. You know, one time I got this one comment and someone was like, it feels like you're you're giving a monologue. And I'm like, yeah, it's, it's a video essay.
0: Yeah, That's literally the process. That's what it is.
1: Like, like I'm not having a conversation. I'm telling you some stuff I put together. Um, but yeah that's yeah the yeah the scripting is the longest part um editing is also really cool, and i actually wish i could do audio but i'm like passion's very visual as well so i'm like i i I think it it, it does help to incorporate that so yeah
0: it's also video you just get way more reach like especially with youtube like it's more people engage with that Audio only surface for a specific like audience like it's for people who like listening to like people talk whilst they are doing the dishes you know or on the way to work that sort of thing
1: and you know it's funny that's how most people treat YouTube videos as well like <laughs> I, guess, I mean, even like I mean, with myself like every video i I'm never actually looking at the screen. <laughs>
0: I, I do. Hey, like it depends. It depends. But like with a lot of people, but I guess I also watch like a lot of video essays on movies and stuff like that. And like with visual stuff in it. So, like I'm never going to watch like a podcast. That's yeah. that That's not for me. <laughs> like I'm not going to sit there and watch three guys talk shit. But like if you research something, something and you're telling me about it <laughs> with like some visuals. Yeah, I'm in.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. i um, mean yeah, I'm very either or like I could I could I could watch a whole video about a movie and not look at the screen once and be like, hmm, what a great experience. I really like how they spoke about the 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 scene, uh the set design there that I didn't see.
0: <laughs> yeah, you know there's uh these things called podcasts, right? You could just engage with those. <laughs> <laughs> uh uh one of the things, yeah, that I found interesting, like when you were chatting about the Rich Nisi, you know, why does it need to be that expensive thing? was like your politics and you know you said like you know your socialist dreams essentially and like i I think that's one of the interesting things coming through with your work is that like you believe that fashion should be obviously accessible but that doesn't necessarily mean that it has to just be you know casual wear like that's what i think is really interesting yeah So you wanna talk a little bit more about that with your philosophies when it comes to like because I know throughout history, like fashion was something that the working class had better access to, I guess, and also more information on and partook in a bit more, I guess.
1: Yeah, I think yeah, it was definitely like a more I wanna say it's like it's like it belonged to the community. Even if you didn't like have access necessarily to like the finest of things, I think even my like even when I look at my parents, like I think there was more of an understanding, like everyone understood like the amount of effort and care that went into clothing. I think everyone had a basic understanding of like, you know, why something looks the way it does, or how something's supposed to fit, or like how you're supposed to wash um certain items and that also yeah. I mean, I think when things were a lot smaller and less globalized, you were you were a lot closer to the people also who were making and producing the things you wear. So I think you had a more intimate understanding of that. And also just because, especially I think in a lot of like African societies, like cloth and like clothing has such a, like a communicative communicative aspect to it. You know, it is, uh, it's something people use, like there's special meanings for certain prints on special days, or there's the reason why we wear certain things to certain events or commemorating stuff which is something I wish a lot of us had more. And I don't think that it means we all have to like wear crazy ball gowns every day, but I think there's something very beautiful about like wearing um, someone's like labor and effort and culture and history on you all the time, because that's the only place you can kind of carry that with you all the time. Like you can't always carry a giant like painting or a sculpture with you, but like you can wear a a pair of pants that were very um, laboriously made to highlight something special about you or your people or where you're from um and that's in a really i think that's an amazing thing to like have with you all the time
0: yeah that's an interesting thing to bring up um there's actually an exhibition on at the moment at the KZNSA that they've got some pieces from the Punzi uh, museum which is a museum here in Durban that i recommend everyone checks out uh, when they can but basically it's like pieces of skirt, you know like skirts and just traditional wear that's also, they say, you know, the different meanings behind each one. And there's even like this one massive, uh, basically, it's like a shawl of sorts that has beads and mirrors all over it because the woman would walk around in areas where there were wild animals. And so the mirrors would actually scare those animals off. And I just find that sort of stuff really fascinating. But like you're saying, that's made by multiple people as well. Like the hands involved in that is, you know, it's it's a lot of work. Which still exists today, but you don't really see it, which I think is one of the things that you brought up in your video about, you know, is fashion art essentially, is that it's such a massive amount of people actually involved in, you know, fashion, yet it's kind of just the designer who gets all the credit and like gets credited as the artist, which I found to be quite an interesting argument to bring up.
1: Yeah, definitely. And it's not even always necessarily just the the people like physically making the stuff, but it's also like the people around you like I always tell everyone that like even if you don't know you're like a really direct player in the fashion industry like even today like the fact that you chose to buy a red shirt instead of a a whatever color shirt like you impact the decision making of so many other people like you actually have a say in everything that gets made and produced around you and the same way that like all of us when we decide this is our moral grandstanding as a society like we all play a part in informing like the kind of clothes that will get made or how they get made or you know you know when things get worn and stuff like we all play a really really active part but we're all um i think sort of tricked into thinking that like we're either just like really passive consumers who just buy the stuff or just wear whatever's comfortable because we're, we're not into fashion or we're the laborers or something but it's like all of us actually. Are involved in this whole industry, like since the beginning of time.
0: Yeah, that that's a very interesting thing to bring up. It's almost like uh, the the devil wears prada speech, but not quite because she's she's a bit more like you wear this stuff because we decided it. But like her her main point is just that yeah, like it's like impossible to uh, take yourself out of the fashion industry, and it's weird because for me when I was younger, like I definitely had a bit of like an anti fashion sentiment, but like because I was punk in my mind. Uh, didn't like and, and and some actions, but mostly just in my mind. And like it's interesting because Vivian Westwood, like you know, created the punk aesthetic with a boy band, like in the Sex Pistols, basically. And it's just funny to me, like how even yeah, the ideology of like being anti-fashion is still a fashion choice, and it's not even just like one that's like anti-fashion. It's actually in a lot of ways, literally still engaging in the industry.
1: Yeah, hundred. Like I don't know how
0: like... you. Could- <laughs> Like other than if you're wearing like pack like I don't know if you can like remove yourself from it.
1: Yeah. You literally have to like live on an island and be naked. I think that's the only way. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Uh, Oh, one thing I actually wanted to ask you just speaking of like this kind of stuff is you were mentioning one of your videos about like going and chatting to designers and getting them, you know, to make stuff with you. And you're also someone who makes their own clothes. So how does that work? Like, when do you decide like, hey, I'm going to make this thing myself or when do you decide you want to go chat to somebody else?
1: So I usually often decide to make things myself just because everything I like is so expensive. (laughs) (laughs) Which I'm not knocking. I definitely also, as having had tried to make these things myself, I do see why these things are really expensive. Like I'm very familiar with the amount of like work and labor and skill. That goes into these things um but, <laughs> I the would thing imagine. I, yeah but i, I am i think i've gotten into recently like i'm trying to support a few more local designers so like i have a little savings fund i have so like i think my plan this year is i'll probably buy like three items and i just look at people making the kind of things that even if even if i had all the time in the world one i could never ever make just because like that's just not in my skill set that's not in my ability and that's also isn't like an idea that i couldn't ever come up with myself and also, like, yeah. I just think you yeah, have a lot of really crazy. Great-
0: Respective artistry.
1: Yeah. Um. So yes, yeah, so that's me right now. But uh, the sh- the sucky thing about that is like, every time I save up for something, it like gets sold out. Like, I I spent all of last year preparing to buy one of like Tevin um sister boots, the church sister boots or something, and as soon as I had the money, like they were gone, and I was just like, wow, damn. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Well, at least now you've got the money, or you had the money saved for like the next piece you would want. But I imagine you might have uh, not not kept that money and might have spent it on some other pieces that you wanted. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. December came to me very
0: fast. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I get you there. So, would that be something that you'd recommend to people who are looking to get into fashion and like look at it as being like, I can only afford, you know, the Mr. Price chinos or whatever? and like say like oh i can't engage with fashion the way other people can because it's not affordable like you so you you save up basically so <laughs> like yeah what 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 are some of the tips and tricks for doing this on a budget
1: okay so like my one thing is like i'm always i'm always online shopping but i'm never really buying anything i just do like a lot of window shopping just to get an idea yeah. of like what are the things that i like and because things will sit in my cart for so long i've got a good enough amount of time to really think about like Do I really want this item? Is it going to make sense for like the things I already own? Do I have the ability to take care of it? Like, I know like I'm never going to buy anything that's like pure silk because I'm not going to a dry cleaner. Like I'm not doing that. That just seems absolutely cumbersome. I I barely like to leave the house. (laughs) So, you know, that's like, so so I have time to think about that. I, I get over the initial excitement of seeing something really pretty. And then I've got time to think about it. And also in the time that I'm like saving for something, I can really, justify this purchase in my mind. Um, And also I won't be buying as often because I'm like, yeah, I I could, I could go to Zara and like buy this thousand rand coat now, but that's like a thousand rand less that I have for the, I don't know, like the the Mimi flats that I've been wanting for five years or something. (laughs) Uh, So I think it's always like people just need to also like, I think there's this feeling we all have, like when we're shopping that you have to get something straight away, but like you really don't like you can, well, hopefully most times you can wait for something And the really cool thing is that if you do buy like from any sort of like local high-end contemporary designers like these people can just make these things again for you, you know, like you can, you can often probably just ask someone like, hey, could you do this skirt again? And you know, if they have like, they still have the fabric or the materials, they could probably just do that for you. And then, you know, there's there's the item. And it's just also a matter of like, you also have to consider how long something is probably going to last you and like the kind of like value and joy it'll bring to you. I knew this one girl, like she would drop I think like ten thousand Rand at Zara. And I'm sure at Zara that was probably like seven, eight items that she would also probably get bored of in a couple of months. Like she wouldn't wear them again or she'd like wanna pass them on to like one of us or something. And I'm just like if you had maybe spent that entire ten thousand rand on like two items from I'm forgetting like a local designer. Like two items from like Rich and Nisi or someone or two items from from selfie, you know like really beautiful items and you know how they were made and you know that they are produced really well and there's like really great quality and you're going to be one of like the only people in the world who has this like that probably would have been a better long-term investment even though you were probably getting i guess like more and unquote value for money at zara but like in the long run um you're probably going to treasure those items way more and keep them for a much longer time
0: okay so for someone who's like not initiated necessarily in quality and you know like price essentially what is, how do you, how do you know the difference essentially, you know, between like a thousand rand Zara jacket and a 5,000 rand, like, I don't know, like, well say a two and a half grand, um, Soul Soul Jersey. Cause I know that there's a two and a half grand Soul Soul Jersey. So we'll use them as an example here. So how do, we, how do we know the difference between like the one grand Zara Jersey and their Jersey, you know, like how am I meant to know which is better quality?
1: Ooh, Zara is a tricky one to bring up because they're actually they actually do uh, produce pretty pretty well actually I'm not gonna lie uh, compared to like most of your like fast fashion retailers their stuff's actually not too bad but the, yeah the the unfortunate thing about that is that it's kind of a thing you it takes a lot of time to learn and distinguish especially okay. because I think most of us especially if you're like born after like 1995 you're not actually really used to dealing with like really high quality clothing. You know what I mean? Like, I think my, like my first shopping experience was Mr. Price when I was like 10, you know, like like, just immediately in fast fashion. Like, it's not like, I think with like our parents or anything where things that they did buy were still really good quality. Like there's a lot you have to consider about like looking at how like the, the quality of the fabric, like how does it feel if there's things like uh, a washing label inside, because anyone who's making something really well wants to make sure that you take care of it after you've bought it. So they would try and give you some sort of care instructions. Things like um, how the stitching is done, you know, are they like skip stitches? Are they loose? Is there like puckering or wrinkles in the fabric where it shouldn't be? Have things been like overlooked, you know, like is the fabric like fraying and falling apart? Even like the quality of like the buttons used, like, you know, plastic versus metal or like zippers as well like plastic versus metal like metal zippers generally tend to last longer and they don't get stuck on everything as much um which is also why they're absolutely awful to replace but you know (laughs) and things like yeah like you kind of i it's 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 like you you kind of everyone would have to get like a teensy little bit of a fashion education to sort of understand the kind of things that go into making a, a garment really good quality um which is also why i always advocate to like anyone who's like a young designer to like Make sure they're taking the time to like educate their audience on like the exact things they're doing in their like construction process to make sure that they're building something to last. You know, like things like if the stitches are really small, then you know that's something that's not gonna fall apart really quickly. Like it's really tight; it's gonna hold together for a really long time. If someone gives you something with an extra button in it, like they're planning for you to keep this item for longer. Lots of yeah, that's lots of like very small niche things like that. Well,
0: what's interesting about like everything you're saying here, like is that there's also all just good principles for like thrifting. And I assume you do thrift a bit as well. And that this knowledge would have been very, well, is very helpful when you go and like, you know, try find pieces because you know, like a quality piece of like of the rack a lot better than I imagine a lot of other people would.
1: Yeah, definitely. Um, <laughs> would you just kind of start about thrifting as I think if you were going thrifting like four or five years ago, um, you were kind of guaranteed that the majority of the things you would find like automatically pretty good quality outside of maybe like having some stains yeah. or, lips or anything but now yeah. I think if you go thrifting you're going to find things that are like from Shein or from Rumway or from you know <laughs> like you're going to see like it's Mr. All Price
0: all dead people like that's a, like if the you know someone like you know recently died I want their wardrobe like I don't want young people's like <laughs> yeah Oh, sorry, I interrupted you there.
1: <laughs> no, 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 you're right. But that's like getting increasingly difficult to find. Like, yeah, it's getting much, it's getting much more difficult. Like, I, I'm not even sure I would still recommend thrifting to people now as like a really good alternative to trying to find like good quality clothing. Unless depending on if you're willing to, to, to let some like um, Instagram resellers charge you like 800% markup.
0: Yeah, that's that's kind of been my issue with thrifting because it's something like I've done throughout my life. Just because, hey, cheap clothes. Like you know, it's kind of been necessary and helpful, and also like, in it gives me more access to a wider variety of clothing across a like larger time period. Basically, you know, like I'm not typically into whatever's in the stores most of the time. It's very rare that like I find something that I lack, like that's just I it's just me like I'm just particular in that way but there's a lot more options when you go well they used to be <laughs> a lot more options when you'd go thrifting back in the day and stuff would be cheap and now it's basically being gentrified like I've seen how like there's thrifting conventions like in America and stuff where people are literally flying across the country to sell each other thrifted clothes at a mock-up and it just goes against the whole principles of everything involved in like the ideas of thrifting, which is also about making stuff last and, you know, not like adding to the supply chain anymore or like the production chain, just any fucking chain. Like, you know, you're just like, hey, this thing already exists. Let me add it to my closet for cheap. And yeah, a lot of people are fucking up that vibe. That's just <laughs> my own personal run there. No, you're right. I 100% agree. It's
1: really frustrating because I think like in an ideal world, Cause there's always a lot of people who like come to me and they're like, um, like how you develop like a personal style or, you know, like getting a question. Just, yeah. Yeah, like a signature uniform look. And like, for me, the best way to learn that was to experiment. And I think at least like thrifting is sort of like the least harmful way to do that because yeah, you can buy some old clothes. You'll, you'll, you'll figure some things out and then like going forward, you know what you like, you don't like. And it was sort of this like low cost way to sort of engage with fashion but it's like, now it's not that. And there's even like, even I think it's funny that you're saying that like there used to be so many options, but I feel like now if I look online, like thrift tree sellers and stuff, it's like, there's sort of like a, a, a sort of a a single look to the kind of thrifted items you can get. Like everyone's kind of trying to do best find thrift items that'll best imitate like whatever trend's going on right now. And that's not necessarily why no. I, I would want thrift. If I wanted to buy whatever was trendy right now, then I, I would just go to Spice. Like they've already done the trend mm-hmm. research before. Um I was hoping to actually go... F- see some different silhouettes alternative to what I'm being offered to see if there's something there that I like more. And because it's getting so, so expensive, like you're not really getting that ability to like play around and experiment as much anymore, unless you're willing to, to spend a lot and a lot of money on it. <laughs>
0: Yeah, it's yeah, it's interesting because I know there's people who are listening to this podcast now who both work at Mister Price and uh, who do the thrift selling, and I think some of them do both those things. <laughs> so uh, shout out to you guys, I guess, but no, no shade. It is just like yeah, I do, I do miss the old days of being able to go to the piles like in town and like not see like other white people. But maybe <laughs> maybe that's just me,
1: <laughs> like
0: you know, being a hipster. <laughs>
1: Oh, I get it, yeah, I get it. But <laughs> the free market.
0: <laughs> yeah, literally. Hey but at least I'm not the one getting my phone pickpocketed, so you know. <laughs> it's all good. <laughs> uh one of the things I've got written down here is that uh, you said that all t shirts are dresses. Do you want to elaborate a little bit on that? <laughs>
1: Oh, I think oh that was when I was talking about sort of like the gendering of, of clothing and like how it's really arbitrary. Like it's, it's, yeah. it's really silly. I think a lot of us um think clothing has to work in like strictly like man, woman, when what it actually comes down to is just like body shape. Um, And there's nothing really about your gender. That's going to dictate what your body shape is. So what you think is a masculine uh, t-shirt because it's, I don't know, has like really big sleeves or it buttons right over left is still just a t-shirt and I might wear it as a dress and it is still the same item, but we've just decided that these are two completely different things or we're going to put them in different parts of the store. When like what really, the only thing that really matters in like sort of categorizing clothing is like, if this has to go over boobs, like how is it doing that? If this has to go over hips, how is that doing that? And every people of all genders have both of those things to varying proportions and sizes, you know? Yeah, I know lots like I know lots of flat-chested women. I know lots of really curvy dudes. You know, um, <laughs> so there's, there's really <laughs> nothing know. stopping them from buying like a mini skirt or anything, except for these like fun little ways that we we decide to like really strictly define um, where clothing should should be in a in in a shop or on a runway.
0: But yeah, it's like one of the things that you've said in your videos. I think it was the same video. It's basically that it's all fabric. We're the ones who just give it meaning
1: yeah pretty much (laughs) which can be very cool sometimes um but you know meaning is cool because like you get to change it whenever you want you know
0: yeah of course but i mean at the same time it does like well I, i guess what's the question i would get to with a whole long diatribe that i'd say before that is how much of like your own dress is you know politically minded
1: um what do you mean
0: well, like, you know, you do have an old fashioned style with modern flaring in that. And I imagine that might, you know, in a modern context have, especially to other people, connotations. Like, I, I don't necessarily know because I don't know what you're trying to communicate. I just think you look dope. But like, I imagine there's thoughts behind what you're trying to do.
1: Um, I wish there was because I'm actually just trying to look dope. <laughs> <laughs> No, for real, like, I just, um, like, I, I was, like, I'm, I was, like, a super girly girl growing up, so I, I was always, like, my dream job when I grew up was to be a princess, and, like, fashion was the one way for me to, like... Okay, so
0: that's the way yeah. you dress, like, I get yeah. that. Okay. Yeah,
1: it's way for but-, to get but it is interesting when I do meet other people, and the ways they react to it is always, it's always really... Yeah, let me say interesting, because uh, I don't really know what to assess of all of these reactions I've gotten. Like, on one hand, I have had people come to me and they're also assuming there's like some political statement about it. They're like, you know, you're like, it's like a it's something about like decolonization or it's like this pro-black yeah. message or you're claiming the thing that like our ancestors couldn't have. Or um, I've had like, like my one friend's mom was like, um, I still haven't decided if this was offensive or not, but she was like, you, you look like a you look like a slave. Um <laughs> Oh wow, that's that's an interesting thing to say to me. I, I, like I don't I even know what to say. I was like I, I guess. Um, and yeah, it's just uh, it's, it is. I think the interesting part about it is seeing how it makes other people react. That's always very enlightening for me to see what kind of yeah, what kind of reactions is inside. For some people, I think it's like sort of painful, or it's like um, they might think it's sort of some sort of whitewashing or some embrace embrace of like Eurocentrism. Um, some people sure. might just see it as like fairy tale vibes, super hyper feminine, girly. It's like you know that kind of vibe, or like you know some people might think it's like a course correcting thing. Whereas for me, <laughs> I'm just like I, I I like girly stuff, and I'm a history nerd, and this is the one place where these things come together. Uh,
0: <laughs> but at the same time, it is kind of all those things, like because yeah. I mean. Like, yeah, cause it's all inherently political. And so I understand why people get those messages from it. Cause I mean, I've, I've got friends who, yeah, do harken back to like old, old school colonial styles as a way to repurpose it, you know, as a way to be like, yeah, fuck you, this is mine now. And like, I think that's cool, but like, yeah, you, you just want to be a princess
1: yeah definitely and there's like um like a saying in like the the costuming community so other people who are really into like reenactments and you know wearing like vintage antique clothing and it's like like i like i've got vintage style but not vintage values so um <laughs> yeah as much as I, I i might to you look like i'm dressed like a colonizer um which is fine
0: again <laughs> <guess>. like. <laughs> Oh yeah, that's funny. It
1: that doesn't necessarily mean that I, I I desperately want to go back to the 1880s and like <laughs> not have um, indoor plumbing and um, alienate a whole group yeah. of people.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, but you, the fashion's still cool. Like, I mean, I'm I'm with you there. Like, I think it's interesting that you know there is certain style and there's certain ideas that have lasted you know throughout history. And it is cool to touch on them and it's also cool to bring them into a modern context so that strangers can go, well, What are you doing?
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, definitely. It always leads to um really interesting conversations. Like I think this one time, like this girl was telling me how I reminded her so much of her grandmother. And her grandmother was like one of the first women, like back I think even before Pate, who like had owned her own business or something like that. And I was like, Oh, I got to hear a really cool story about this. Uh, so so that's that's a really cool part. And I even don't mind the, the funnier comments because it's always uh, something to think about, like the kind of long-held beliefs will associate with any item of clothing. You know, like um, the fact that like every time people see, like when people think that they have to wear something for like a red carpet or a black tie event, everyone always goes back to this 1950 silhouette. And yep. there's just something about that era that forever and ever was always going to associate it with like the height of glamour even though there's there's always been some version of glamour through every decade, but there's just something about that era specifically that really makes us go, okay, this is formal. This is like black tie. This is elegant. (laughs) It's very cool. Interesting.
0: Yeah. Okay, cool. Well, I think uh, that's been an amazing lesson. It's kind of like watching, you know, your videos because your videos have been super informative. I've learned so much from them, but that does bring us towards the end of the podcast where I'm going to ask you a question I ask everybody and that is, what is a big mistake that you've learned an important lesson from?
1: Ooh, yay, exciting. Um, <laughs>
0: <laughs> You're the first person to respond like that. I'll tell you that much. Usually everyone's just like, oh, but Oh, okay, so you came prepared.
1: Yeah, finally my turn. I'm up, I'm up, I'm up. I like it. My big mistake uh, that I've learned a lesson from was definitely trying to start a business as a teenager. Um,
0: oh, wow. Yeah. I've been great to be market day.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was like 17 and I was like, I think I know a bunch of stuff and it doesn't seem that hard. And <laughs> i was really persuasive. I got a lot of people to, to entrust me with money and time and things and completely screwed that up. Like just no understanding of like, quality control, customer service, how to like do accounting and like uh, taxes and stuff and also just making absolute garbage <laughs> just because I, I believe so strongly in like my vision.
0: Had you not seen Gossip Girl yet? Like did you not see yeah, what happens, Jamie?
1: Yeah. Ah you gotta let me go to fashion school, please. Dad, like... <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah so you, you kind of live that yourself a little bit
1: yeah definitely and I've uh, failed miserably like absolutely astronomically like even to this day I'm still kind of embarrassed of it I'm like wow <laughs> if I had just waited a little bit if I had thought to maybe learn from someone else or ask someone else something it's even led me to like my personal philosophy like that I don't think anyone like under the age of like 35 should ever like start any kind of fashion business it is such a It's such a volatile, like tumultuous, like place to work in that. I think you really, it's one of those places where you actually really, really, really have to like learn a lot before you can do anything like. (laughs) Well,
0: at least like you learned like a really hard lesson young. Like, I think that's a good time to learn it because it sticks. I mean, I hope so. Well, I mean, I don't know. Like, I feel like, yeah, like, what's it? Like, just expressions of hubris like that. Uh, yeah, from falling flat on your face from it is definitely something that humbles you.
1: Yeah, definitely. And I guess I guess it is good that I, I had, like, lost all that money before I had, like, I don't know, like, bills <laughs> or rent to
0: pay. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. There's been people on this podcast who have lost, like, a million rand when they've had, like, you know, mortgages. So you do you'd, you'd good
1: yeah oh my god i think
0: i'd actually collapse yeah i mean i would just walk into the ocean so you know i wouldn't have a mortgage or a house to worry about anymore but uh anyway that's a bit dark uh, cool on that note uh yeah i'm gonna say thank you very much this has been a great chat and i really yeah, enjoyed actually getting to chat with you personally because I feel like you know I know your bar pretty well and you said you've listened to the podcast and you clearly have so like I feel like with like two people who are having a parasocial relationship with each other that's come together
1: yeah it's really cool thank you so much for having me this has been so much fun
0: I oh, know an absolute pleasure so that was Kensani told you she's fucking dope man I yeah thoroughly 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 enjoyed that and I suggest you go check out our YouTube channel if you'd like more. Links will be in the description of the show. You'll also be able to find our Twitter and Insta and all of that, which once again, I recommend checking out. And a reminder that if you enjoy the work that we do here, but we, I mean, it's, it's mostly, yeah, me. Uh, mostly, mostly. They mostly come at night, mostly. <laughs> As I was saying, yeah, a lot of a lot of the work, most of the work on this podcast is done by myself. And if you would like to support it, you can go to patreon.com forward slash almost perfect, where you can support it for as little as $1 a month, which is about 17 rand at the moment, I think. So like under 20 bucks a month, it's less than a fucking dumpy, people. Like literally, like you could just buy me a beer. That's it. If you were like, hey, I enjoyed that podcast enough to buy Bob beer, you can do that. You can do that, no matter where in the world you are. You just go to patreon.com forward slash almost perfect. If you'd like to buy me a bankey, that's there as well. That's the $5 fucking thing. Yeah, it's only a five grand Keep but still, that's not too bad. And then there's another $10 section, which we'll get into just now. It's got the titular titles, dear. It's a $10 tier, and I will tell you about it just now. I'll tell you about it just now. And if you would like to bring the almost perfect branding into your life, Uh, the the logo that I made in five minutes on Canva, then uh, you can go to almostperfect.co.za and check out the merch button there. There are t-shirts and there are mugs. There are only a couple mugs left and probably won't be doing those again for a while because they've been slow sellers. So (laughs) maybe you'll get to have limited edition mugs because who knows? It might never be repeated again uh, over at almostperfect.co.za with maybe forward slash merch, maybe forward slash chop. I wasn't planning on doing a whole long fucking picture, but hey, I would like to uh, eat better this year. Let's just say that. Oh shit, speaking of which, I was I was trying to think of what I wanted to tell you. As some of you may know, last month I uh, started uh, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, and then yesterday I started training with my friend John Button, who's been a friend of mine since I was very young since like 12 probably and he actually taught me kickboxing when i was a teenager because i was getting bullied at school and i'll tell you one thing i got bullied a hell of a lot fucking less after that and yeah at the beginning of the year he hit me up and he was like yo come train with me come train with me i was like "Ah, i don't know if i want to do that but yeah i'm doing that now and so yesterday we did some we did some boxing we did just boxing but like we, we did about 5 minutes of boxing after like a fucking 55 minutes of working the fuck out. So I am dead, I am sore, I am tired, and I am looking forward to going back, cause yeah fuck it was, it was a lot of fun, the sparring and that like it's so annoying how fucking quick he is. Like I was throwing punches and I was pretty sure they were at his head but when, when my fist was there his head was not. Uh, and instead his first was uh, in my fucking ribs, so <laughs> we're gonna be learning some hard lessons, but I'm, I'm really looking forward to it, so yeah, basically, yeah, you can look forward to seeing me in the octagon in the UFC in about six months, eh, But Shit, eh? <laughs> nah, in all seriousness, like, I don't plan on ever being in another fight in my life. This is just a great way to get fit and, you know, martial arts are always useful to know just if you ever need them, but like obviously the principle behind pretty much every fucking martial arts is Hey! Don't fight! If you can't help it. If it's unavoidable, then hey, at least you have some necessary tools. But at the end of the day, I'm just trying to get strong, bruh! I'm just trying to get fucking fit for the pit! And uh, yeah, connect with the old homie and actually just also connect with uh, a history of uh, sports and of culture and just learn more because fuck it, life is uh, life is too short to not just try everything. Speaking of which, I might as well share this with you since I'm pretty sure half of Durban already knows. Uh, I've started dating again. I've been going on dates. It's been good. It's been interesting. It's been fun. I've been having cool conversations with cool women and yeah, just... It's, you know, like, obviously different and I don't know how, I'm definitely not emotionally available, but like, that's, I'm being pretty open about that, pretty honest about that, like, I'm letting people know the vibe that, hey, like, going through a bit of a traumatic uh, midlife crisis slash breakup thing at the moment, but if uh, you would like some fun company, some interesting conversation, hey, maybe, maybe we can chat if not then no harm no foul like i'll be honest with you i am not in any way shape or form looking for a relationship at the moment and probably not for quite some fucking time because there be fucking very deep scars man like i know i've been super publicly facingly chilled but the whole being dumped after giving, like, your all to someone for eight years really does make you not necessarily want to give your all to anyone else for the foreseeable fucking future. But I'll give a appropriate amount to the, pro- the appropriate people at the appropriate times. And uh, we'll see how that goes. As long as nobody falls in love with me, I think, I think we should be able to get through the next couple months uh, having some fun, having some good times you know what i mean you know what i mean i'm talking about fucking people talking about fucking that's it i just i just want to get laid whilst also being cool about it can we do that can can i have my ethical slut error is that allowed because i had an unethical slut error so let's, let's let's actually end that right there i think i am about to share far too many things with far too much of a public and <laughs> we're not there yet people we we don't have that kind of relationship just yet as i said the appropriate amounts with the appropriate people so <laughs> i am instead going to head on out by giving some shout outs to the titular titles tier over patreon.com forward slash almost perfect which is a tier it's a 10 dollar tier and is the top tier where you get to pick your title right here on the podcast and i shout it out every week So, shout out to Stephen Oliveira, our executive producer. Kath Jenkin, the inevitable ruler of the universe and Queen Swifty. Karan Chetty, the assistant to the regional manager. Ruz Ventura, the director of purchasing. Karan Slemon, the almost perfect hedge fund manager. Neil Green, the key group. Russell Grant, the Far East correspondent. Rousseau, the storage clerk of subtle heresies in the Lesser Oberberg region. And a big thank you to Damien Ruert for the bad music you hear underneath me and the banging fucking intro you hear each and every single week. Big shout out to you for listening all the way through to the end. And I will catch you on the flip side.